Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ajeline. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast where the two of us, we pick a movie and then we analyze it and rip it apart. And, uh, you know, because that's what feminists do. We rip shit apart. And it's Gracie's birthday month. Happy yeah. birthday to me. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to me. Gracie. Happy birthday, <laughs> dear Gracie. Happy birthday, Gracie. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this month we're doing all of my 90s favorites. And we couldn't fit all of my 90s favorites, so I just went with my top five. And this yep. is number one. By far. This we're movie? doing Ever After. <laughs> ah, I love this movie so much. I was, I was very happy that you picked this movie because I was like, this movie was like my childhood. This this movie, as I was explaining to Ashlyn before we got started recording, was my gateway drug into learning about Tudor history. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Thomas More's Utopia plays a really big part in the movie. And I learned about Thomas More. And then I learned about how he was, you know, executed by Henry VIII. And then I just went down a huge Tudor history rabbit hole. And I never climbed out. And I loved it so much that Ashlyn and I, our first role play together was a Tudor history role play. It's it's really funny because <laughs> Tudor history is honestly was like my gateway into being a history nerd. And it was because of uh, mine was like more of the English uh, side of it with like Anne Boleyn and mm-hmm. who who is she's a fucking there, icon. She, yeah, she she's, didn't a, she's a to tragic. Die. Yeah, she was a tragic figure in history and misunderstood. And, I mean, it was all because, you know, Henry VIII uh, had a brain injury, which, like, fucked him up. And if that hadn't have happened, she wouldn't have died. Well, she probably wouldn't have been able to have him either. Like, because he got the brain injury before he divorced Catherine of Aragon. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. But that's a rabbit hole we're not going down I'm just explaining that this movie has had an actual impact on my life. Yeah. And it is also the reason that I'm a feminist, which we'll get into. (laughs) It's also, I guess you could say it's the reason that the two of us met, sort of. You're right. Yeah. Because. In a roundabout way. Yeah. It's that butterfly effect thing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, and and so, then this podcast would never have happened without us meeting. So yeah, so I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> w- when when Ashlyn was like, okay, because when we first started this podcast, I said we'll do Christmas movies the first year. But it's not my fault that my birthday I, is in December. I love how you were just. I, I love how you're like, yeah, the first we'll do Christmas movies the first year when you fucking know that it was me who was like, Gracie, we're doing Christmas movies the first month, and you were like, no, and I was like, no, there there is no, there is no negotiation. This is how it is. This isn't a this isn't a bureaucracy. This isn't a democracy. This is an agile <laughs> 
but no, seriously. But after I'm Ashley and I had a talk about it, I was like, listen, it's not fair that my birthday just happens to fall in December with a lot of holiday movies. So we compromised and we like do one holiday movie a year, and then like I actually get to do stuff for my birthday month that I want to do. And I was dead set on '90s movies this year because we couldn't figure out how to fit these movies into months. And I was like, okay, well we're gonna do them this year one way or the other. Um, so Ever After, uh, first one, came out in 1998, had a Rotten Tomatoes score of 91% critical and 84% audience. Everybody loves this movie, except for a small few. Yeah, Budget fuck was them, 20. 20- yeah, fuck them. Uh, budget was $26 million, has a box office of $98 million. It was directed by Andy Tennant, who also directed Sweet Home Alabama and Hitch. Uh, it was written by... Andy Tennant, who also wrote Fool's Gold, and Susanna Grant. Susanna Grant has worked on Aaron Brockovich, that Julia Roberts movie, and she recently worked on Unbelievable, the Netflix uh, miniseries, that true crime miniseries about rape. Oh. Yeah, so you can definitely tell uh, her line of projects have had a theme. Yeah. So, cast. Our main cast are Drew Barrymore as Danielle. She was in E.T., Charlie's Angels, Netflix's Santa Clarita Diet. Angelica Houston plays the Baroness Radamilla de Ghent. She was in The Witches, Adam's Family. We've, uh, you know, she's awesome. She's, uh, well, she's been around for a while. Like she's Oh, been yeah, she started in the 50s or 60s. 60s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Duggery Scott plays... Prince Henry. Um, he doesn't have a super huge career, actually. No, um, no. Sh- he's been in some movies like Hitman. He was in Mission Impossible 2. He was in a movie, I think, called Love's Kitchen with Claire Forlani. Like, yeah. that was the first time I'd seen him in a movie since Ever After, because I don't really watch action movies. He was also so. in that one, uh, My Week with Marilyn. Yeah. Um... Megan Dodds plays Marguerite. She uh, was on CSI New York, and she's in or was in a TV show or miniseries called For All Mankind. And she then, was also in Two and a Half Men. Megan I mean, Dodds? Oh, wait, no. wrong person. Melanie, wrong person! Yeah, Melanie person. Linsky, who plays Jacqueline, was in Coyote Ugly. Oh. She was in Sweet Home Alabama and in Two and a Half Men. I got them wrong, okay? It's okay. I forgive you. Do but but do the, does the audience? Does the audience? Well, Sorry. if they've seen the movie, they know. All right. So, let's get into this movie and I just want to say that I have a lot of notes uh and even though you can't see them, I'm not going to read them all. It's just that I got very excited and started writing down all my favorite quotes. <laughs> This is a very quotable movie to me. <laughs> um, so, movie starts <laughs> off. What? Sorry, I'm just because she wrote it on uh, on dr- the drive, so I can see where she puts like her little thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah, Ashley can see my commentary. <laughs> it's true for once. Uh, yeah. Um. So we're introduced to the Brothers Grimm who are visiting this grand dame who's a descendant of all these French kings and queens. Um, 
and she is like, you know, I'm like actually pretty fucking disturbed at your Cinderella story because if you know the Brothers Grimm Cinderella story, like the stepmother and stepsisters like cut off cut off toes and heels and you know get their oh. eyes pecked out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. I uh, mean, you know, for the sake of beauty, sometimes you just have to go a little bit far. Listen, that shoe had to fit one way or the other. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, like, well, I mean, I guess it wouldn't have worked out because, you know, it would just be a like a red shoe, especially if you cut off your heel or toes. Mm-hmm. So all that blood would just get into the it, it doesn't work. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I gotcha. <laughs> Uh, so after she's like I was disturbed and then she's like actually it was a glass slipper and I'm going to tell you the true story that uh, Puralt I think um, based it on it was an actual glass slipper whatever so we go back in time to the 1500s and we meet Danielle as this little eight-year-old, uh, and she's a very happy child. She's, you know, the apple over daddy's eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and her dad has gotten married and is bringing home a baroness and two uh, stepsisters. And she's very excited to meet them because she's like, I'm going to have two sisters. It's just like Christmas. I get a mom and two sisters, you know? Well, yeah, because she's always been an only child and didn't know her mother. So this is a very exciting time. And uh, and the servants, uh, the one is just like, you be the little angel that I know is deep down in you. you and shit. don't chew on the bones and give yourself away at dinner. <laughs> I know that all of the quotes in this movie. I need help. Um, so... Uh, the dad arrives, and she's gotten into this, like, mud pit fight with her friend Gustave. Mm-hmm. And one of the funny lines in this movie is, like, you look like a girl. And she goes, well, that's what I am, half-wit. And he goes, yeah, but today you look it. I love that line so much. And she's like, well, I could still whip you, girl or not. And then, and then- she goes... She goes yeah. running off, and then she, like, throws him in a mud pit, but she gets thrown in the mud pit a little bit, too. Yeah, she gets sloshed. So, <laughs> so everybody is, you know, uh, her father arrives, and, and and everybody's, you know, like, they're standing up straight because this is a baroness. She has a title, and uh, she comes out. Well, first it's the two daughters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next is uh, Angelica Houston coming out. What a and regal she- woman. Well, exactly. Very regal, you know, a, a life of privilege. And she's like, oh, what a cute little cottage, you know, sort of deal, right? Because. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're all introduced. And after supper, um, the dad brings uh, Danielle a gift. And it's Utopia by Sir Thomas More. He's like, yeah, it's a little thick for an eight year old, but you can give it a shot. And then he explains to Danielle that he's going to be leaving in about two weeks for a three-week trip to Avignon. Mm -hmm. And he and Danielle fight about it, and he's like, all right, fine, a week. Like, they play rock, paper, scissors. So on his departure day, uh, you notice that he's having a lot of trouble with his left side. Um, You're seeing him, like, clutching his arm. Uh, and we, as a modern audience, know that those are signs of a heart attack. Yeah. So but this is 
1502, so... I don't know. It's it's later than 1502. I don't know what year it is. Which oh, is that's something what... to get into later. <laughs> oh, that's what it says on um, Wikipedia. So. 1502? Yeah. That's so wrong. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. I know. The timeline's all screwy. Um, so anyway, uh, Auguste gets on his horse and he's riding out. And uh, Radmila is taking Marguerite and Jacqueline back into the house. And Daniel's like, no, wait, it's tradition. He always waves at the gate. Well, Radmila is like, oh, well, aren't you just a simple little child? I'm going to, you know, take my children back to their lessons. Um, so Danielle goes to watch her father leave, uh, but he falls from his horse and she screams. And so Radmila comes out and they run to him. I, I will say, though, the cinematography in this moment where it like zooms in the background, but not her. Well, no, no, no. Like it zooms towards her like this. It's like an. Do you know what I mean? How yeah, it like yeah, zooms yeah, yeah. right to her and it's like <gasps> Yeah. That's like that's what it feels like, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I noticed that and I was like, Oh, that was such a good like technique. A good, yeah. Uh so Danielle runs to her father's side and Radmila runs after and they turn Auguste over and Radmila is like, Auguste, are you all right or whatever? And he just looks at her and then he turns and he lifts his hand to Danielle as Danielle's crying. And he says, I love you so much, my little girl. And then he dies in the most comic way possible. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm sorry. That was like not... That was not good. Uh, that was like, not that, a good die. That was that was garbage. That was like, like You know when you're playing dead with like if you're playing with kids and you pretend to die and it's just yeah. like the most over dramatic way. That's, that's how he did. that's that's what he did. Yeah. Like looked, that little moment where he was like Ugh. And you're like, <laughs> come on. It's a serious moment, damn it. <laughs> God, couldn't you be a little bit of a better actor? <laughs> um so Radmila is like you cannot leave me here you cannot leave me here and then she like goes into Maurice's arms and he holds her while Danielle clutches her father's dead body and you know like papa please come back and then uh the grand dame does her narration was like it would be 10 years before another man would enter her life uh one that was more boy than man and we meet Prince Henry, who... Who's a fuckboy. He's the worst. He, like, fucking runs away. But, oh my god, the way he runs away is so comical. Like, he doesn't sneak out of a hallway. He literally, like, ties bedsheets to his bed and then drops down from the fucking window. Fucking repels off the side of the fucking <laughs> castle. Like, I'm running away, I'm running away, I'm running away. It's like, uh, but, like, his father is coming to, like, you know, talk, like, tell him off because he refuses to marry a Spanish princess or some shit, right? Mm -hmm. And his mother is like, well, you know, he's he wants to marry for love. And then his father is like, yeah, well, um, he's royal. We don't fucking do that, okay? We marry no. our cousins like normal. And w we know what we say about 
marrying your cousins. Don't fuck your cousins. Don't fuck your cousins. Don't be Rudy Giuliani, you guys. Exactly. Ew. He did. Ew. I I listened to uh, Love It or Leave It recently, and there was an episode talking about Rudy Giuliani, and they made a fake Ancestry.com commercial talking about how Ancestry.com was the new dating site. Because they were talking about Rudy Giuliani. It was amazing. But that's beside I'm the point. I am, like, full-on disgust <laughs> face right it now. Was, I'm like, it was hilarious. Don't fuck your cousins. Um, so, Henry ends up stealing Daniel's father's horse. And, like, there's this fun scene where she, like, aims well, an apple at his ass and well, literally that's a, that's knocks the other thing. him like, off his horse. Like, she's off doing her own chores. And, like... I don't know, like, some of these parts where it has, like, Drew Barrymore, um, like, off in the field, or, like, when she was in front of the, um, the fireplace, like, reading and stuff, she's just so fucking beautiful in this movie. Like, she, she, she looks like a Renaissance painting brought to life. Yeah, like, she just, she has that, um, like, natural beauty Mm-hmm. That was like, like obviously she's wearing makeup because like, but, but it it's doesn't super look minimal. Like, oh yeah, it's so minimal that, but she looks just so fucking gorgeous in this movie, for sure. Uh, so she she's like she knocks Henry off of his horse and then realizes it's him, the prince, and she's like, you know, oh I'm so sorry I did not see you and now I know I must die. And it's like a little bit over dramatic there, Danielle, <laughs> and- but okay. And then he goes, well, speak of this to no one, and I shall be lenient. (laughs) (laughs) And then he, like, drops some coins, because, you know... Like, 20 gold francs. Yeah, which is, like, a fucking fortune. That's, like, two years' salary for a noble person. For a noble person? Really? No, for, like, a merchant. Oh wow! Like 20, 20 francs. That's a lot of money. Like holy yeah. shit! At, at, for the fifteen hundreds, you know, most of the time you'd make like less than five five francs a year. Yeah. You know, so like holy shit, that's a lot. Uh, so she sees this money and she knows exactly what she's going to do with it. She's going to save Maurice, who's been sold to Cartier. And you know what? Fuck Cartier. Yeah. Who's Cartier? Cartier, like Cartier's window. It was a very... I, they're like a jewelry store. They, they've they been in business forever. Oh, was that the one from... Uh, wasn't that in... The movie... The other movie we watched. Maybe? Yeah, the, the jewelry... The heist movie. Ocean's 8. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's Cartier. Okay. Yeah. So it's the same Cartier. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, screw them. <laughs> yeah. They they benefited from slave labor. They can fuck off. Exactly. Um, so. Wait, uh, are these this Irish slaves? I'm just kidding. I know. Jesus Christ, Ashleen. <sighs> just kidding. That's fucking bullshit, okay? Indentured servitude is not chattel slavery, okay? Let's just yeah, put that out there. Exactly. Um, both are bad, but one is definitely worse. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, she's going to use this money to save Maurice. And we get this little interaction with her at the table. 
uh, with her stepsisters and her stepmother. And, like, Marguerite is this really shitty person and it's quite obvious that Jacqueline is basically the poor redheaded stepchild (laughs) without having to do the chores like Danielle well no well like that's the thing she's the the mother's disappointment child oh yeah yeah, yeah. there's always one child that is the mother's disappointment and she tries to impress her mother she really does and her mother just is like Jacqueline, dear, if you can't say anything to improve the silence, just be quiet, you know, like... And you're just like, oh, Yeah, I felt, bad. I felt bad for Jacqueline, because she's in an abusive relationship with her mother, and I mean... Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. We're not... <laughs> Gracie, the podcast is not, pa- not therapy. <laughs> no, it's not. Or is it? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> now let's for five minutes talk about how <laughs> anyway just kidding because my mom listens to this podcast and she's gonna be like Ashley how dare you fucking say things about this about me and your podcast okay, uh, so uh, Henry ends up coming across some bandits that uh, they use another word but I'm going to use bandit yeah just, uh, um because the G word is a slur. Yeah, it's a uh, slur now. I, I found that out on Friday night because, well, I'm, I didn't actually find it out on Friday night. Like I knew beforehand, but um, f- I did a Disney show and I decided to sing Hellfire, which and has a slur, which has a slur in <laughs> it. And I gave like, uh, I didn't give the, you know, warning. Right, but I was like, "Hey, I'm doing this song. Warn them. Give me a fucking trigger warning beforehand." <laughs> I don't oh want- wow, you liberal bitch! You, <laughs> you know what? Wanting to wanting to you know actually be a decent person. How dare you? Actually, they brought me on stage afterwards, and they're like, "Yeah, thanks for the trigger warning." Like beforehand, I'm like, you know, it's just. Being a decent person. Being considerate because language evolves over time. What an interesting concept. I know. So oh, weird. Yeah, so weird indeed. that we can't use the F word anymore. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. gay, the gay F word. Right. Um, or the R word. Or the S word in, re- in reference to indigenous people. Yeah. And, oh, amazing. Uh, yeah, there's so many that, you know, we shouldn't be using because you don't people find them offensive and don't be a fucking asshole yeah right like that's all you have to do um so anyway henry comes across these bandits that are stealing from leonardo da vinci's caravan and he manages to rescue the mona lisa from the clutches of a thief uh and then he finds out that oh you're da vinci and he says to him perhaps you can talk my father into the 16th century (laughs) Because, you know, it kind of reminds me of that line from Sleeping Beauty. Beauty, yeah, I thought the exact same thing. Father, Uh. this is the 14th century. (laughs) What is, uh, like, because it really is, like, that idea that, like, you know. The youth are always trying to be better than their parents. Yeah, except for the millennials, because we're trying, but it's just not happening. Um, 
Fuck you, boomers. <laughs> Anyways, uh, not all boomers. But most yeah, yeah, them. yeah. Let's clarify here. Not Just all like boomers. not all men. <laughs> oh my god! You know what was the thing I fucking uh, heard? I know this is a side thing, but I don't care. Um, apparently, Generation Z is calling Gen Xers the Karen generation. <gasps> wow. I know. <laughs> And I mean, like y'all are y'all are uh, y'all are beasts. Look at you, as my eight-year-old niece would say, roasted. <laughs> she's really into that now, and she's doing this stupid thing where she's doing like, "What are those?" And I was like, "Honey, that meme is ten years old. Try something else." <laughs> but she just what saw are it. those? Yeah, she just learned it. She's like, they "What are, are those, like Aunt Gracie?" That's what I told her. She's like, they're not Crocs, Aunt Gracie. They're slip-ons. And I'm like, you don't get the joke. It's okay. Get... <laughs> Goddamn kids not understanding what Vine is. Okay? <laughs> get them to watch funny, a Vine though. compilation. Ashleen has been on the phone with my niece before because they have hijacked my, my microphone. It's true. She's yeah. she's a she's a, she's a a character. <laughs> yeah. She, um, she's going to be fun when she's older. Oh, she's, for sure. She's definitely going to go through a goth phase, though. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know. I see Southern it in her future. Oh, for Southern, sure. I mean... <laughs> Southern girl goth is basically just looking like a witch in New Orleans anyways, so. It's true. Uh, so, uh, Danielle ends up going to the palace after Henry and uh, Da Vinci meet, and she's using a dress that she borrowed from Gustave's painting room, uh, and she stops the cart hauling the prisoners, and she's like, here, I have 20 francs, I'm going to pay for this man, that kind of thing, and it's like, the king's already sold him, and he raises his voice to her, but the prince intercedes because he's like, how dare you talk to a lady like that? And my favorite part in the whole movie, which there are several favorite parts, but this was the part that got me interested in Sir Thomas More. And that's when she turns around and Henry says something snappy to her about uh, thieves or something. And she's like, and then he's like, okay, well, fine, enlighten us then. And she goes, oh, she goes, a servant is not a thief. And those who are who can't. Uh, can't help themselves and he's like oh really enlighten us and she goes if you suffer your people to be ill-educated and their manners corrupted from infancy then punish them for those crimes for which their first education disposed them what else is to be concluded sire that you first make thieves and then punish them that's some good shit right there i mean i must just fucking say it uh, that's basically America. It really is. If you look at poverty-stricken areas, um, a lot of them are predominantly black, thanks to institutionalized racism. Yep. And, and redlining. And redlining, yes. And these poor communities of color are overly policed and... Um, the prison population, like when we talked about this, when we talked about the 13th and, uh, you know, the overpopulation of prisons and the amount of nonviolent offenders and what ends up creating is more poverty and more crime because crime thrives in poverty stricken areas because people are desperate. 
Exactly. So and, what and you're not doing just that too is when you do leave uh like after leaving prison right you're expected to you know post like bail and um you have to you know adhere to to all of these rules Mm -hmm. that are you know you have to get this job and then you know they're tricks to get you back in prison exactly yeah so when you hear something like this you can apply it to today because what's happening? You're creating all of these issues and you're not addressing the issue. And then people are growing up in poverty stricken areas and forced to rely on doing things that are illegal in order to make money, which is also something we talked about with the hate you give, where the father gives that speech to his daughter about mm-hmm. how they do it. Like he basically summed up institutionalized racism. And then, you know, they do all this. And that's their education. And then you lock them up for surviving. Yeah. So, boom. This is as true now as it was in the 1500s when Sir Thomas More wrote it. Yep. And it it keeps going, like, you know, back that, uh, like, history repeats itself over and over and over and over and over again. Right? Yep. And and we just keep seeing the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, oh, we'll never forget the Holocaust. And then we have had such a rise in right-wing extremism, not just in the United States, but in Europe. There's been a lot of people well, I mean, that identify you know, uh, as just in- fascist. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Italy, and, and for not example, they actually got, I don't know if they actually did elect someone that identified themselves as fascist, but they, there are fascist wings of the right wing parties in Europe. Really? I didn't yeah. know yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then also the other thing that I wanted to make mention of is we are, there, there's a lot of just in general like a lot of poverty where um everything's like a gig based society and late stage capitalism and the fact that like you know you're trying to like make money um and yet you know the prices of food the prices of everything like right now in uh i don't know if it's the same where you live but the prices of housing has gone up so much oh yeah. yeah 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 like it's insane there's one bedroom apartments and they're like yeah it's two thousand dollars and it's like oh honey who the fuck can afford that i live in a town where the median income is about thirty thousand dollars a year yeah um and we have apartments that aren't even big apartments uh and i have a friend of mine who lives in a two-bedroom apartment and the rent is a hundred is a thousand dollars a month that's normal. That's 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 a that's less. That's that's a pretty good price for. Well, no, not for this area oh, is what no, I'm America. saying. Yeah, America. Sorry, American money is uh, worth more. So. Yeah, like um, okay, if your if your income is about thirty thousand dollars a year here, and you're paying a thousand dollars a month in rent, not even a, including utilities, that's just the rent. That's, that's a lot of money. That's a third of your paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Or and no, that that's includes- over. That's over a third of your paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're supposed to also buy food. groceries. Yeah. Like, I mean, why do you think I'm? I, I live with my brother right now because yeah. he's helping me out, and I I have a good 
like rent a reasonable price for you know me being like working minimum wage yeah so it's anyways uh we're all victims of late stage capitalism viva la revolution (laughs) uh let's cut some fucking heads off i mean what uh well we are talking about france and they do mention the revolution which i think uh there was a study actually that there is a bigger wealth discrepancy now than there was during the french revolution really yep wow it's just that we actually have some social safety nets that keep us from starving to death you know barely it seems yeah i know um so (laughs) after she says this to him henry is very intrigued by her because wow a woman with a brain they exist uh, and so he tries to like get her to say her name. She's, she's not she's, like other girls. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, but you know, she's—he's like, well, what's your name? And she goes, uh, I don't feel like giving it to you. And he goes, and she—he's like, well, where are you staying? And she goes, with a cousin. And he says, well, what's your cousin's name? <laughs> she's so like, funny. my cousin. <laughs> my cousin. Yeah. You're asking too many questions. Yeah, like, fuck off, dude. I'm trying to get to Maurice where I can go home and get out of this dress and before I get caught, because I'm not really a courtier. But finally, she... Yeah, it's like she... being a woman on Tinder. Yeah. Um, and then he, like, mocks, uh, you know, because she's like, I'm very... He's very intrigued by the fact that she quotes Sir Thomas More, and he's like, yeah, but I found uh, the plight of the everyday rustic to be boring. And she's like, fuck you. They are the legs you stand on, and that position deserves respect, and he's so affronted. He's like, am I to understand that you think me arrogant? <laughs> she's like, yeah, bitch. You fucking have all this privilege and you bitch about it. Yeah, she's like, oh, fuck you, boy. Like, you have all of this money, all of this land, and you don't want to do anything about it. You're whining about and, being and, rich. And, and it's true. He is, he's like, the. he's such a privileged little white boy about it, where he's like, yeah, I don't want to be king. I don't want to be it responsible. Sucks. I just want to rad horses and shit. I don't know. So after this, uh, you know, scene, he goes to speak with his father, who's very upset Mm -hmm. uh, that he's run away. And, you know, the mom is like, you know, you were born to privilege, and with that comes a specific obligation. And she's not wrong. Yeah. When you're born to privilege, it benefits you to use that privilege. To help others. Exactly. Say it. Uh, but the funny part about this scene... Say it uh, to the kids in the back. Yeah, right? <laughs> Say it to the kids in the back. Oh, God. Um, one of the funny things about this scene, though, is like... Uh, you know, he's like, well, if you don't get married to the king, is like, if you don't marry this Spanish princess, then, you know, fuck you. Uh, and so Henry's like, what are you gonna do? He's like, well, I'll deny you the crown and live forever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that fucking thing. <laughs> it's such a good line. Because he's like, I shall deny you the crown and live a, 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 forever. forever. <laughs> <laughs> the timing is great. Um, so finally, the king comes to this agreement where he's like, all right, Henry, fine. Uh, five days I'll past- play your fucking games. Yeah, we'll, right we'll play along. 
uh, five days hence, we'll have a masquerade ball, and either you announce who you're marrying, or I will announce for you. And the mom goes, choose wisely, Henry. Divorce is only something they do in England. <laughs> oh, that's a good Henry VIII joke. But it really yep. fucks up the timeline of the movie. This whole fucking movie is... The whole like, timeline of this movie is a mess, as far as where it places. Yeah. Um, so, word gets sent out that there is going to be a masquerade ball, and all of the ladies of the house are invited. So, Marguerite and the Baroness end up pulling out this wedding dress that belonged to Nicole, who was Danielle's mother. And when Danielle sees this... Rodmill is like, oh, we're just airing out your dress. And, you know, if you mind your manners and do your chores, then you can go, too. And Jacqueline is like, what the fuck, Mom? You're lying. But she doesn't say anything. She just tosses the shoes and she leaves. And then Daniel's yeah. like, what's wrong with her? And Marguerite's like, she doesn't want you to go. And it's like, wow. <laughs> you fucking bitch. Yeah. I say that no, quite a lot I watching this movie. <laughs> well, because it's so fucking sneaky, and there's, like, fucking moments where you're like, Jesus Christ, like, how fucking heartless. Like, but it, even though it's like, it feels, like, heartless, it's also very real. Yeah, it feels realistic. Like, like they're not, they're, car- they're not characters. No. Like, characters. And and yeah. there and there are moments where you see a more humanized version of Rodmilla, but she kind of like pulls herself back, you know. Yeah. Um. So after this scene, Danielle has gone to pick truffles, and she realizes that she's you know kind of filthy. So yeah. she decides to take a bath in the lake, and on the other side of the river or lake or whatever or pond, yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, she's Henry, like swimming, right? Yeah. And uh, well, Henry and uh, Leonardo oh. are there. Yeah, and Henry's having a crisis about fate. <laughs> and oh, do you believe there's only one perfect person for you? And <laughs> his hypotheticals kill me. Well, what if you meet that person and then that person gets struck by lightning, but then you meet somebody else? Does that mean that the first person was supposed to be first or was the second person supposed to be first? And fucking Leonardo, who's like an old man, is like, you're giving me a fucking headache, Tool. Like, calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Calm the fuck fucking down. Fucking privileged white boys. Yeah. Uh, so, so Danielle's swimming. And then Leonardo's got these fucking boat shoes on, which were a real invention by him, by the way. Oh, really? Um, yep. And he's walking on water, and he he comes up to Danielle, and he's like, looks like rain! And she's And she freaks the fuck out, because there's a guy over her. In the, middle, in the middle of the of water. Fuck- yeah. So she freaks out, and she's like, ah! And then he goes falling back off the boat, you know, yep. hit the boat shoes, and, <laughs> uh, Literal yeah. boat shoes. <laughs> yep. He falls uh, off the boat shoes. So they make their way back to... Overboard. Oh, uh, Overboard. <laughs> so they make their way back to the bank, and Henry's there, and Henry offers his uh, his robe. And they have this little tit-for-tat right there at the, at the bank, and she's, like, so fed up with him. She says something to the effect of, you're trying to bait me with your snobbery. And he's like... 
what? And she's like, you own all the land there is and you take no pride in working it. And he's so offended. He's like, first you find me arrogant and now I have no pride. However do I manage that? <laughs> and then he's like, well, you're also a contradiction. You know, you're a, you're a countess who spouts a utopian society. And she's like, yeah, but I'm trying to fix that. You're not... I mean, she ain't fucking wrong. She's also not actually a countess. Like she's, well, th- she's a yeah, peasant. that too. She's a, well, that's the thing. Like she's actually because, like back then, right? <laughs> Women had like, no what rights. was her dad anyways? Her like, dad was, he was just... a merchant. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. So and he was wealthy. He was a very wealthy merchant. He did very well for himself. Uh, but because she was his only child, uh, all of the property went to his widow. Yeah. Even though they'd only been married two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> before you know, uh, but even then, if if he hadn't have been married, it would have went to a male relation, the closest one mm-hmm. to him. So yeah. Danielle was fucked either way, unless she got married, because then it would have Man- went to her husband. Being a fucking woman in the you know, 1500s. Anytime, basically, being a woman. Before 1970. No. Kind of sucks still at times. Well, you know what? At least now we can get a credit card without our husband or father signing their name to it. So. That too. Equal rights. Equal rights. <laughs> you know. It'd Going be nice into if, debt, like, it's, it's an equal opportunity thing now. I'm so sorry. No, don't. Okay. So, yeah. Um, he's, like, impressed with her, even though she's just, like... Breaking his ass over the coals. Yeah. <laughs> fucking roasted. Roasted. <laughs> oh, God, um, I'm gonna have to get a soundbite of Maddie saying roasted and put that on here. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so, um, he's, he's entranced with her and he invites her to watch him play tennis with the Marquise de Limoges or whatever. And she's like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. And then Jacqueline shows up and she's like, okay, I gotta go. Bye. Um, and he's like, why is she always doing that? Because she doesn't want to be around your arrogant prickly ass. All right. (laughs) Yeah. No means no. No means no. Uh, so uh, the next day he does, uh, he um, plays tennis, and Marguerite makes a show of herself by fetching the ball because she's a good little golden retriever. Um, well, yeah. So there are like these parts. I don't think we mentioned that part, the one before. I don't. I, well, it doesn't matter. Well, like, I'm still gonna mention it because it's one of my favorite parts. That's the part where like he's returning the horse, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Um, and Marguerite and Jacqueline come out and she's wearing like this brooch right by her tits and he's like man that brooch is like fucking fantastic right and she's like oh this old thing you're too kind Mm -hmm. and then fucking Jacqueline takes out the feather was in her hair and like stuffs down (laughs) poor baby and I'm just like yeah yeah, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but the captain yeah. of guard, the captain of the guard, you can already tell is like totally entranced with her. I um, mean, you know what? You got to be a good, like uh, there, there is 
There's somebody out there for all us goofy girls. Amen. Uh, so they end up going to market after the tennis match. And, uh, you know, Henry is, like, showing her chocolate. Whatever. I don't care. We also get introduced to, like, the villain or the side villain, because there's basically two villains in this movie. And it's oh. Monsieur Le- Pierre Le Pew. Okay, okay, okay. I gotta fucking say this about him. He... Looks like a leather daddy. Oh, no. Do you know who that is? No. He's the guy that played um, in... Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Um, Frankenfurter. What's the movie? Uh, oh, Rocky he's, Horror Picture yeah, Show. Yeah, Rocky Horror Picture Show. He was the assistant guy. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yep. he wrote it. Yep, indeed. This He's is like the guy the... who wrote. I didn't know that. Yep, that's him. Anyways, no, but like seriously, he does look like. He looks like a medieval version of like a sugar daddy, or not a sugar daddy. Well, that's what he's like trying leather... to be. <laughs> yeah, but like a leather daddy. Yeah, ew, gross. I, you um, know what? I'm I'm just saying. Yeah, he like makes these double entendres. He's like, I'm very well endowed, as evident by my estate. Fucking sicko. Uh, but he's like, yeah, I won't be buying anything today. You know, whatever, fine. So Henry pops up with uh, Rodmila and Jacqueline and Marguerite, and Danielle sees him and throws a chicken in his face and runs away. You know, as you do. <laughs> as you do. Uh, and it, then we have that scene um, between Daniel and Romilla later on where Romilla is having her hair combed. And this is one of those scenes that kind of humanizes Romilla where she's not this cartoonish, like, stepmother figure that's very evil. Yeah. Like, you can see almost some softness try and come out of her when she's like, you know, like, you look so much like your father, but then again, we were only married for a couple of weeks. I hardly knew him. And you can kind of tell, like, there is something in her that's not completely broken, but she's such a hard woman. Well, because she says at the beginning that, like, well, my mother was hard on me and that I'm being hard on you because that's what mothers do, I suppose. Yeah. Right? And she is. She is hard on her. uh, I mean, she's harder on Danielle than anybody, but she is hard on on her daughters. Yeah. Like, she's basically trying to get Marguerite to sell that pussy. To get a good husband and let's be a princess, you know, like she aspires and she's like a bad stage mom. She's like, she's a stage mom. Well, she's like Kris Jenner. Yes. She's a momager. She's... Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, obviously, uh, you know, you're good, Chloe, but Kim's the ticket. <laughs> Let me sell my daughter's sex tape to the media to make a buck, which she did. I- Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. Okay, listen. Oh, oh, yeah, I did get it. Damn it. Sorry. What? So Jacqueline is is uh, Chloe. Yeah. And then Kim is. Oh no. <laughs> so Marguerite who's is Kim? We've cracked so who's it. Who's Danielle? So who's Danielle? 
Uh, Danielle, uh, who's the youngest Jenner? Is it Kendall? It's one of them. Let's be honest. She's like the Kitty Bennett. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Well, no, because the, the two the two younger. Because the older one is the one that nobody knows about. No, Kylie like, is the one that everybody knows about. And isn't she yeah, older but than Kendall? Mo- well, yeah, one's a model and then the other one's uh, does makeup. I don't care. <laughs> we are like 50 minutes in and we're not even halfway through the movie. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. So they what ends up happening is after the scene with Danielle and Romilla, Romilla and everybody goes to town, I guess. And so Danielle's just at the house by herself. Uh, she ends up going to hang out with her friend Gustav in these haylofts and haystacks. And uh, Henry shows up uh, because he sees Da Vinci's flying contraption, the kite. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, that's, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's flying contraption. Well, how did you get it? And Gustav is like, uh, I got it from the Comtesse de L'Ancre, who's staying with a cousin. Oh, well, then who's her cousin? The Baroness Rodmilla de Kent. <laughs> <laughs> and Danielle's just behind that haystack being like, you fucking idiot. Yeah, Where so- are you? So she you has, fucking sold me out. Yeah, she's like, Gustav, you fucking asshole. And he's like, well, I guess you better run before he gets to your house. So she runs and she takes the shortcut through the woods, ends up back. And she's like, Louise, get the dress. Yeah. And, so, and then it sees uh, like he goes to the door. He's about to knock. And she like comes out and she's like, oh, I was just going to go for a walk. And then you see behind her uh, the two older women like fanning themselves, like going, oh, my God, we made it. Holy shit. Which we've all been down like that time crunch where you're like, holy fuck, I made it. Ow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he invites her to go to a monastery where they have a large library because he doesn't want to go to church because all of the women are trying to get in his pants at church and become the woman that love he falls in love with. So they go Which is a contradiction because to- you're supposed to go to church to be holy. Yeah, well, they're going Not to church. Not to get that D. Yeah, well, that's what they're going for. This uh, is a Christian mingle. <laughs> So they end up going to the monastery and she talks about how her dad was a lover of books and read to her and he he finds himself affected by her because he he sees this woman with her passion and her conviction and he finds himself lacking and he takes note of that and he hates it himself for it. He realizes that he is being a shallow piece of shit and he can do better. It's like an eye-opening moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, And it's really nice to see. Um, So she's able to pick out a book, and then they leave. But what happens? The wheel falls off of the fucking carriage. Yep. So uh, (laughs) they're like, yeah, well, we'll, you know, continue walking. And he's like, it's like a day walk away. And she's like, well, we better hurry then. Yeah, where's your sense of adventure? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And that's when they get accosted by bandits. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, she makes her way... Oh, she'd climbed up because they got lost in the woods. Yeah, she was trying to find where the palace was. Um, So she's climbing back down, and they get accosted by thieves. And she's like, you know, after the fighting is over, she's like, listen here, bud. You know, 
I need my dress. And since you've deprived me of an escort, I'll need a horse as well. So the main guy is like, you can have anything as long as you can carry it. And she goes, do I have your word on that? And he goes, yes. So she goes over to Henry and picks him up. And Fireman carry. carry him off. And the guy is so impressed. He's like, okay, fine, fine. I'll give you a horse. <laughs> I love that scene so much. It's um, so good. So they end up like camping out with the bandits and they have this nice conversation by firelight. And then she says something to the effect of, I fear my mouth has run away with me again because like she's kind of drunk. And he goes, no, no, no. It is your mouth that has me hypnotized. And then they kiss. Mm. <laughs> and my heart melts. And I don't care. I love it. I ship them hard. <laughs> it, it really is a cute moment. Yeah. Uh, and then the and then all of the bandits are just like, hey! And then they're like, they're embarrassed. And they're like, oh. It was it was so cute. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, so Rob Mella wakes Danielle up the next morning because uh, Danielle got in late. Um, yes. And Danielle is tired and hungover, and so she looks at Ron Milla and she's like, "Yeah, I don't feel good." And they're like, "What about our breakfast?" And she goes, "You have two hands. Make it yourself." And so Ron Milla looks to Jacqueline and is like, "Go boil some water." And she's like, "I." fucking do it yeah like, i knew this I was gonna happen because she's you know what it is i think with ron Miller is she sees everything as a transaction and she doesn't see jacqueline as something that can give her a higher end result you know what i mean like yeah she sees everything as a transaction she sees danielle as someone who can work for her she sees jacqueline as a burden who doesn't do what she needs to or isn't attractive enough to get her where she wants to be whereas marguerite is very beautiful marguerite can you know be charming and she's seductive and this is her meal ticket you know so yeah, that's that's how I think Ron Miller sees the girls in her life. Um, so after Danielle wakes up and is, you know, busy downstairs, uh, she goes up because Ron Miller has the dress out again and it it turns into a fight, which is yes. because like, well, OK, so, ugh. yeah, there was the part where um, she's like, well, I do not like that's my mother's dress and then Marguerite uh, says oh well she's dead like <laughs> and uh let's just say that bitch went head over heels <laughs> yeah fuck it yeah well Danielle punches her in the face yes and, and then, then starts chasing her through the house oh right the but then part. she gets to she gets to the the where the fireplace is and she grabs the book her father's book right and she's like i will throw this in the fireplace if you don't give me a, uh give those sh- fucking shoes to me and rod and rod Milla is like you so you have to pick your mother's shoes or your father's book they're neither is going to save you from a lashing yeah and so go ahead well she gives the shoes and despite that, Marguerite throws the book into the fire. Fuck that 
her only possession from her father what a piece of shit this isn't even like the worst thing that happens though because there's something that happens not too long after this that really fucks me up so danielle receives the lashing and jacqueline tends to her and they kind of have like a bonding moment yeah you know and it's cute and after this rodmila rodmila and marguerite um, have been invited by the queen because uh, has paid off this one guard to kind of help them get an audience with the queen. So yeah, they do. Yeah, by like seducing him too. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. Um, so th- while they're being, uh, while they're having the audience with the queen, they find out that Danielle has been playing at being a countess and that Henry is in love with her. And when Marguerite finds out who it is, she throws a literal shit fit. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like, there well, because her bee. mother's like, you know, that cousin that you like to call Cinderella. Oh, and boy. she fucking goes off and she's like, <laughs> and then she comes back and the queen's just like, good heaven, child. Are you f- are you well? She's like, there was a bee. There was a bee. A bee? Do you like jazz? <laughs> oh, mom, no! <laughs> uh, uh, um, so, Danielle goes to visit Henry at these ruins, and she's trying to break it off with him and tell him the truth, and he's just not listening. You know? Oh my god, and- I know. This is such a fuckboy <sighs> moment. She's, like, trying to fucking tell him, and he's just like, yeah. And this, and this, and this. And, and she's, she's like, like, just shut the fuck up. And then he doesn't. And then he kisses her. And she's like, no, I, I have to go. Like, I, I'm not getting through to you. I have to leave. And he's, yeah. and he's like, okay, yeah, sure, bye. And then he gets back home. And his mom is like, yeah, apparently she's, like, engaged to a Belgian. And he's like, the fuck? <laughs> Which is not true. It's just what Ramilla told uh, the queen. And... Then he's like, here I was, you know, laying my heart out for her, and she's bidding me farewell. And, you know, the mom's like, you know, well, it would take a, you know, a strong woman to not, you know, fall for a woman, you know, fall for you while you're trying to steal her heart. And he's like, yes, but what a clumsy thief I turned out to be. He's so melodramatic. I know. So, Rodmilla confronts Danielle, and this is my like one of my favorite parts of this movie, mm-hmm. and it's when uh, Rodmilla's like, "What bothers you more, stepmother, that I'm common or that I'm competition?" And then the best line in the movie. Come on, Ashleyne, you know it. Okay, Say yeah, it. I do. Do it. I I would rather die a thousand deaths than have that selfish cow wear my mother's dress you messed it up oh (laughs) it was i would rather die a thousand deaths than to see my mother's dress on that spoiled selfish cow well i got it kind of right you did it's okay i only know it by heart because i've seen this movie 30 times Uh, (laughs) uh And Jacqueline kind of, like, speaks up after Rodmilla throws Danielle into into the cellar and locks her up in it. She's like, Mother, it's only a ball. And her mom looks at her and goes, Yeah, but you're only going for the food. 
I felt that right in my fucking soul. Like, watching that, like, I, f- I felt it right in my actual soul, and I was like, oh, look, it's my mother. Oh, no. I'm just saying, I know you're listening, Mom, I love you, but... Yeah, the fat shaming shit my entire life is and like, not Jacqueline's cool. Jacqueline's not even fat. I know. <laughs> um. So Gustav ends up uh, finding out um, from Maurice that Danielle needs help, and Gustav's like, "Well, I can't get the prince, you know." Like, so um, is this a, is this after they they throw her into the? Yeah, this is after they throw her in the cellar. Uh, oh yeah, because Ma- they Maurice go off shopping because they can't find the dress yeah. or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah okay. and and Gustav's like, well, I don't know what to do. And Maurice is like, well, find Da Vinci. You know, you're a painter. He's a painter. You can work it out. So Gustav ends up like stealing a uni- the uniform from the uh, guard who was paid off by Rudmilla. And yeah. then he, when he finds Da Vinci, he thinks he finds Da Vinci and he faints. He's like, Leonardo Da Vinci. <laughs> he falls out and then the actual Da Vinci is yes. like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Da Vinci ends up showing up with Gustave. They're able to free Danielle and uh, Da Vinci's like, oh, yes, I shall go down in history as the man who learned how to open a door. <laughs> funny shit um and danielle you know she's like i i you know like i fucked up i lied to him and i haven't been able to tell him the truth and da vinci's like well he'll understand you know he loves you and danielle goes a bird may love a fish signore but where will they live and da vinci's like well then i shall have to give you wings which is a really sweet moment it really Um, was so then it's the masquerade. Uh, yeah, it's the masquerade, and um, the best Jack- part. Oh, God. Or no, not Jacqueline. Marguerite is dressed up like the peacock, mm-hmm. and uh, Jack Jacqueline is dressed up like a horse. And there's this part where she's just like, "Well, I suppose I'm just gonna have to pull the carriage." And her mother's like, well, "If it gets us there faster, faster." And I was like, "Oh wow, yeah." Um, and then. But- but there is that moment where Jacqueline and the captain of the guard are both wearing horse costumes and they're like flirting by making horse noises and so good. This is the fucking funniest part of this whole movie because she's like, hey! And he goes, <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> I can't it's even just do such it. A, it's such a cute moment. It's adorable. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, Danielle arrives just before the king makes the announcement that Henry is going to be marrying the Spanish princess. Henry sees her and she's beautiful. She's a vision in white with these huge oh, wings. I know. It's I so... love this dress. <laughs> it's that moment is so fucking beautiful. And she's just there and she's like, just breathe and that part has always really stuck with me um now i was telling gracie this before we started the podcast but every time i'm about to go on stage i say that to myself because of this movie Mm. it's i love it it's a great motivation and all you gotta do is tell yourself to just breathe Mm -hmm. uh so 
she Henry comes up to her and she is trying again to explain and of course he's like not listening to her. Well yeah because he wants to like show her all the cool shit that's going on and he's like hey I invited the bandits but you know he uses a slur. So. Yeah right right right. Um, and then Rodmilla is like I'm gonna make you a princess Marguerite. So she goes out and she drags Danielle by one of the wings that are on the dress and Danielle is forced to admit that you know she is actually a servant and you know Nicole Delancre was her mother and Henry you know like kind of backs away and she's like Henry wait and he's like you will not address me so informal madam like bitch like this fuck boy yeah which I guess he's allowed to feel a little betrayed because like he finds out that this woman is in the same household with two scheming bitches you know so I'm guessing he might have been thinking that like she was just part of some grand scheme to seduce him and he's not for it because, you know, he thought he was getting played. So I can understand where he's coming from. But then he's not willing to re- listen to anybody else, especially when Da Vinci comes up and he's like, do you not even realize what that girl did to get to you tonight? She lied to me. Yeah, well, she loves you. Well, what about trust? <laughs> like, sh- Henry, listen fucking listen dude well he's a prince so he's like you know an entitled like he's been so entitled his entire life that like he just doesn't listen like he needs to come to the fucking realization himself I guess and thankfully he does eventually but um so I guess this is a couple of days later and Danielle is you know really involved in her chores because she's pretty fucking upset and Rob Milla confronts her and they have this back and forth and there was this one moment where Daniel where um Rod Milla says well you're not my problem anymore and Daniel's like what is that all I was to you your problem was there ever a time even in its smallest measurement that you loved me at all and Rod Milla goes how can anyone love a pebble in their shoe That's such a heartbreaking moment. Not as heartbreaking as the fact that after this moment, she finds that Pierre Le Pew is there and all of her father's things, his books, his tapestries, his candlesticks, all of it had been sold to that guy. And the worst thing Rodmilla does is say, I get all this and he gets you. This woman sold her stepdaughter yeah. To a guy who she knew was going to beat and rape her. She knew that. And she did not care. Nope. Not a bit. Like, did thankfully, it anyways. Danielle is not hurt. You know? Yeah. She, but she has to deal with a lot of sexual harassment before she, you know, manages to save herself later on. But at the same time, like, Rod Milla does the most horrific thing you could possibly do. She sells a girl to a man that she knows will victimize that girl. And she is smiling when she does it. Yeah. Fuck her. Ooh. Yep. Fuck Ooh. her. Ooh, what a it, heartless it, it, bitch. <laughs> it, it really is an awful moment. 
And this is the kind of stuff that I didn't think about as a kid, but now it it angers me even more. Like, oh, wow, that's so mean when I'm a child, right? Like, how could she do that? But, like, what she's doing is one of the most atrocious things a person can do. They're selling another person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's gross. Um, Sorry. It's okay. It's dealing with my asshole cat who decided <laughs> to... Needed attention right at this moment. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so so after this heartbreaking scene, uh, there is a funny part, and that is the marriage scene. Yes, so there is the marriage between Henry and the Princess of Spain, and the princess is, you know, Crying. coming up, and she is bawling, but like... Poor baby. I, I don't... It's so over the top. I think that's the point, though. Okay. <laughs> Okay, because I was like, like she's she's like, <laughs> like she's she's absolutely devastated, yeah. and she's in love with another man, and she's like, she's like, I don't want to do this, fuck this, absolutely fucking not, and then he's he starts laughing because of, and he's like, I completely get it, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> go go to the man you love. Even yeah, though this is definitely the... not realistic at all. This is oh, no, the... absolutely not. This is the but... jump the shark moment of the movie, but who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, he kisses her on the cheek and he's like, yep, go to the man you love. And everybody's like, oh, shit. Yeah. But her, his parents are like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. So... Like they're, they're on board, I guess. Yeah. So he runs out and he's trying to find out where Danielle is and Maurice is like, oh, but she's been sold, sire. And then Jacqueline comes out and she's like, yeah, it's a Pierre Le Pew. And he's like, oh, fuck, I have to go rescue her. You guys didn't see me. <laughs> we didn't talk. And Jacqueline's like, yeah, sure, cool, whatever. Uh, so he goes off to save Danielle. But D Danielle, that amazing woman, has managed to save herself because she knows how to use a knife. And she, like, there's that one moment where he's, like, smelling her hair and Ugh. she grabs the dagger and fucking cuts his cheek. <sighs> yep. Because it, it was going to be worse. And, like, she then irons because she keeps trying to run away. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And she's like, well, I shouldn't be here anyways. And he's like, well, you know, I don't want you running. Yeah, you know, uh, you belong to me now, fucking bitch. <laughs> it was so gross. Like, you know, he's like, you're just like a mare that needs to be broken. And I was like, ugh. ugh. French, French medieval leather daddy is... Ugh. Uh, so, uh, she ends up rescuing herself, she gets the key, and she's, like, like running out of the pal the castle that he lives in laughing, and then this is when Henry shows up, he's a little late to the party, it's okay, and he's like, Danielle, I, I have to apologize to you, I've made a terrible error in judgment, you know, like, you, you, you wanted me to trust in you, and I didn't at the first, at the first level of it, and it, that's my fault, you know, and she goes, say it again, and he goes... I'm sorry. No, 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 no. The part where you said my name. Aww. I fucking died, yo. And then he's like, it's I kneel before you, not as a prince, but as a man. But I would feel like a king if you, Danielle de Babarak, would be my wife. And he puts the, like, the glass slipper on her foot. I'm in and love. It's, and it's just such a sweet moment. Because she had... She had just saved herself. 
Mm-hmm. And then she gets, you know, the guy in the end and they're like, he picks her up and he swings her around. And it's just, it's a really amazing <sighs> moment. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Like my heart's just <laughs> swelled. I was like, <laughs> I know. It's like when you read a really good romance novel, you know, like, and it yeah. gets to that part. Like, uh, I'm so happy. Um, so Jacqueline is eating like a dinner oh, or a lunch with uh, Rudmilla and Marguerite. And, um, you know, Rudmilla's like, so I heard that the prince talked to you. And Jacqueline's like, oh, well, you know, I kind of overheard him saying, you know, shows me right for choosing a foreign over, foreigner over your sister. And she's kind of not wrong, but it's the wrong sister, you know, wink, wink. Uh, So the captain of the guard shows up and he's like, all the ladies of the house are going to go to court and arrive with to the king in style. And he kind of shares this like mischievous smile with Jacqueline because they know what's up. Uh, so they arrive at court, and as soon as they bow down, the queen is like, bitch, you lied to me. <laughs> uh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. You kind of got quiet. Oh, sorry, you were just talking so much. You I know, am. You're just such a chatter. Well, boss. you know what? It's my birthday week, so fuck off. <laughs> okay, well, this is this is November eighteenth. Not t- just kidding. I well, mean, it is, but it's my birthday week when this comes out. Week when this comes out. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so Captain of the Guard tells them in style they arrive in court, and they're like immediately confronted, and then Marguerite uh, turns on yeah, her well, mom quick. Well, yeah, she's like. <laughs> Well, I'm a victim just as much as you are, right? Oh. And and then um, Rodell is like, you little ungrateful bitch. Yeah, and then Rodmella turns to Jacqueline and she's like, Jacqueline, dear, I hope you didn't have anything to do with this. And Jacqueline comes back with the best clap back of all time. Of course not, of course mother. Not, mother. I'm, I'm only, only here, here for the food. For the food. Get it roasted (laughs) so then they're like okay you're off to the americas unless somebody here will speak for you and And they're looking around and there's all these courtiers who i'm sure that uh rod milla has you know fucked over yeah, one way or another. Like, there's a few of those ladies that are just giving her, like, the look up and down. And they're like, mm-hmm. Sorry, bitch. What's coming to you. Yeah, and then Danielle enters. And she's wearing and she's a like, crown. Yeah. She's like, I will speak for them. Yeah. And then Henry's like, Marguerite, I don't think you've met my wife. <laughs> bitch. Um, <laughs> so after they bow... Uh, Danielle goes, you know, after this day, I'm not going to think of you again. And then she looks at the king and queen and she goes, I want you to show them the same kindness that she showed me. And so they have to start working in the laundry. Yes. And that (laughs) is honestly uh, one of my favorite parts. Like, it's such a small part, but the little old woman who... Uh, was like their boss or whatever. Uh, like it's like enough out of both of you and throws them into the thing, and uh, all the ladies are are dying 
the clothes purple, right? Mm-hmm. Which, um, here's a little bit of trivia. Um, so you know where that purple dye comes from, right? South Carolina, it's indigo. No, that's not indigo. Well, indigo is a purple. Well, no, indigo is more of a blue, though. Okay, whatever, where the purple comes from. But that from? royal blue is actually... Uh, from like a, s- a shellfish or something mm-hmm. like something that's so rare that's why purple was only made for kings right mm-hmm. so that stuff being dyed purple has like a fishy smell uh that makes it even funnier mm-hmm. uh so after that scene we see henry and gustave to you know like gustave's like oh my god i can't believe you're a princess you know it's so fucking cool and then Da Vinci unveils his newest painting, which is an, it's based on an actual painting by him, but I can't remember the name of it at, the, at, oh, I at do. this moment. I know the painting. What's the painting? It is Head of a Woman, which was done in 1508. Nice. Um, and Henry, like, kind of jokes, well, it doesn't look anything like you. And, uh... Danielle's like, you, sir, are supposed to be charming. And he goes, we, princess, are supposed to live happily ever after. And she goes, well, who says that? And he's like, you know what? I don't know. And the ending is so fucking cheesy. But I don't care. I'm grinning from ear to ear at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm smiling and I'm giddy because she gets her man and she's awesome and she's the best kind of person. I love her. I love them together. I'm very happy the way it ends. Yep. And then after that, the the older lady at the beginning mentions that that portrait had hung in the university until Until the the revolution. revolution. Oh, because the thing we didn't mention is that Henry wants to create a university and a library that's available to everyone not just rich people yeah um and yeah so the portrait hung in the university uh and then he um she says and they you know lived happily ever after but essentially the point right is that they lived lived yeah <sighs> yeah and then it you know pans out from the castle uh, where the carriage is going off, and I, don't, I like I remember watching it and just being like, "It's just such a nice, happy ending." And I, then as soon as I was done, I called Gracie and I was like, I was like smiling and I was about to say like, "I love this movie so much." And then she pointed out, she was like, "Are you smiling from ear to ear after watching this movie?" And I'm like, "Bitch, how do you know?" Because bitch, it happens to me. Uh, so some trivia real quick we're gonna try and wrap this up because we've been talking a long time about this movie but fuck it I love this movie so haters can die bad um uh, (laughs) in the movie uh, Danielle rescues the prince from the bandits by carrying him on her back there's a legend about King Conrad III who defeated the Duke of Wealth in the year 1140 and placed Weinsberg under siege the wives of this besieged castle negotiated a surrender which granted them the right to leave with whatever they could carry there on their shoulders the king allowed them that much leaving everything else aside so each woman took her own husband onto her shoulders and carried him out so when the king's people saw what was happening many of them said that he was not that was not what he had meant and wanted to put a stop to it but the king laughed and accepted the woman's clever trick a king he said should always stand by his word 
I don't know if that's true. I hope it is. Because that's fucking great. <laughs> nice. Yep. Um, so, uh, this is where we talk about the timeline. So, Leonardo da Vinci died in 1519. The Thomas More book Utopia was first published in 1516, but it's supposed to be 10 years after she gets the book that she meets da Vinci. And they make a joke about divorce being something in England, but Henry VIII didn't divorce Catherine of Aragon until 1533. Yeah. So, the timeline's all fucked up. Yeah, so it's... And it's not just that, it's, um, there's also, like, another piece here, right? So, uh, Prince Henry II ended up marrying Catherine de, Men- uh, de Medici. Yeah, at the age of 14, and had no known children with Diana de Ponta, uh, fuck, I can't even say it. Pontier? What? Yeah. A French noblewoman of great influence and a historical figure that most likely represented by Danielle. The characters uh, are not meant to be historically accurate themselves, but, you know, they were, like, inspired, kind of. Yeah, I get it. I mean, and it works, you know? Like, it feels realistic enough that you can kind of, like... Like, Ashley and I are just such great, you know, lovers of history that we notice the inconsistency of the timing of when everything is happening. And the timeline's really fucked up. But at the same time, it doesn't matter because it's a work of fiction. So it's just, you know, things that we notice. Uh, the last thing well, I yeah, have. But... Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, well, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say about uh, another piece. In the scene where Diane, or sorry, not Diane, uh, Danielle and her father are arguing about their upcoming business trip. They play rock, paper, scissors to decide how long uh, he should stay. However, the game was invented in China around 200 BC, but was only seen outside of the country around 17... uh, 1700 AD in Japan. It was not introduced to the Western world until around uh, 1900. So, like, a little over 100 years ago. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Last thing I'm going to mention is that out of all the movies that Drew Barrymore has ever done, this one's her favorite. Yep. And mine, too. My favorite Drew Barrymore movie. So... I love it. Uh, now, tests. <sighs> okay, so Bechdel test. Two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. This does happen a few times, so it's a pass. Then we have the racial Bechdel test. Two people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white person. This does not happen. It's a fail. Then we have the Macomori test. You have a woman whose storyline isn't about pushing a male narrative forward. And I'm going to say Danielle's story was about finding herself and she just so happened to fall in love with Henry. Yeah. So it was about her escaping her abusive uh, situation. So I'm gave it a pass. Um, then we have the DuVernay test. Are there people of color in this movie whose storyline is about pushing a white narrative? There are no real people of color in this movie. So it fails. Then we have the sexy lamp test. Can you get rid of a named female character with a sexy lamp and it not take away from the plot? Um... 
I mean, technically, I guess you could get rid of one of the older women that work as servants. I guess. I guess. I mean, I thought they were... But they also helped Danielle out a lot. Yeah. So, I'm just going to go to technical pass. Yeah. Uh, Then we have the the, uh, Vita Russo test, which is, is there a GSRM, gender, sexuality, or romantic minority... Uh, representation and they matter to the plot and it's not just uh, them being a stereotype as far as we can tell that's not in here unless you count Leonardo da Vinci who was historically at the very least bisexual really I didn't know that yeah oh well yeah cool Uh, so it's gonna be a fail I guess because it's never really addressed regardless no, um, so don't talk about it's, that. It's definitely a white heteronormative relationship. Uh, but yeah, so now that we've... Uh, now, is this movie feminist? I believe that a lot of the things that it talks about is rooted in feminism. And there's mm-hmm. a progressiveness to this Cinderella story, uh, especially for 1998, you know? Um, and it uh, doesn't hit you over the head with it. It's not a fucking feminist speech. Like, look, we're feminist. No, like, you know you know that Danielle is a smart person who is a humanitarian, and she believes in equality and making things better for those who are less fortunate. You know, and if she were in a position of privilege, she would try to, you know, help things. Yeah. So. Yep. Ooh, sorry. Oh, I'm yawning. Oh, now I'm fucking tired. <laughs> wow, yawns are contagious across a thousand miles. It's great. Yep. Um. So, do I think this movie is feminist? Yes, I do. I think there's a lot of progressivism in it. Um. Also, Utopia is about a socialistic utopia. That's what that means. Uh, and despite the fact that Thomas More did burn people at the stake being heretics, um, he considered himself a humanist. So, yeah, he was pretty progressive for his time, but also a man. So, well, you know, yeah, uh, it can't all be perfect. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, he did. He did die, uh, and I think was. Like not a saint in Catholicism, but he's like seen as a martyr. Uh, no, he is a saint. I'm oh, he is sure. a saint. Yeah, Saint Thomas More. Oh, see, how about that? Um, and not there because a school, he... there was a high school named after him. So oh, that's why I know. Interesting. Um, yeah, I knew he was at least seen as a martyr. I wasn't sure about the sainthood. Uh, so now is this movie good? Oh yeah, fuck this movie's amazing. Fuck yes, <laughs> love this movie. Love ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. A hundred out of ten. Like like for a movie that came out like over twenty years ago, and the fact that you can still watch it, and you're like, wow, this isn't like. I mean, there's you know like one or two things that you're like oh okay yikes but especially um, the language which again language evolves yeah but other than that uh pretty fucking decent pretty good pretty Mm -hmm. good now uh now that we've done this movie um next week hmm 
I know that we're going to be doing Pretty Woman, and I think we're going to have a guest for that. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, she hasn't really got back to me, so... We might not have a guest. Uh, But for safety, we're going to do one without a guest next week. Uh, What do you think, Ajlene? Twister? Um, The other option's The Mummy, right? Uh, Yeah, and there's one more. Or A Little Princess. I kind of don't want to put two period piece movies together. Okay, so let's do... Uh, Twister then. Alright, let's do Twister. So we'll be doing Twister next week. Uh, you guys, so make sure you watch it if you haven't before, and be prepared for me to quote some more, because even though a Cracked article said that that was not a quotable movie, that Cracked article can fuck off, because I quote that movie all the time. I fucking love Twister too. (laughs) It's so funny, because like, uh, this movie and then Twister also like, shaped me. (laughs) As a person. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, So yeah, next week we'll be doing Twister. After that, I'm not exactly sure, but the movies in this month that we're going to be doing are The Little Princess, uh, The Mummy, and um, uh, Pretty Woman. And we've also got a special Christmas episode, because I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I think the Christmas episode is going to come out the Saturday after this one. So it's going to yep. come out on my birthday because happy birthday to me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh But yeah, so we will see you guys next week. Hope you enjoy or well, we'll see you this weekend rather. So All right. uh, have a happy first week of December. Bye. Bye. Bye.